In a world that tells us to chase personal perfection, there doesn't seem to be a place for fools. This fool is trying to work out where that leaves him. And you too, maybe. Because, let's face it, sometimes we're all just fools trying to be better. I don't mind admitting it. I'm having a strange time at the moment. My head is spinning round and round. It's my own fault, I know, but I can't seem to stop. TV doesn't usually affect me much. I'm not one of those people who regularly binge watches stuff. But when I get into something, I really get into something. Sounds like you could be a little obsessional. You might want to watch that. It's only TV. You say that, but is it? Anyway, during the past couple of weeks, I've got addicted to one kind of TV show. Where are we going with this? Okay, so it's not cop shows, it's not soaps, it's not period dramas, it's con shows. You might need to explain what a con show is. A con show is a documentary or drama featuring the exploits of a con man, a con woman, a con person. I don't mean con as in somebody in prison. I mean con as in a confidence trickster. These shows have got very fashionable at the moment. Everybody's talking about them. And I can't take my eyes off them. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I thought you were generally a well-balanced guy. I am, until I get gripped by something. And these shows are just so gripping. Showing humanity at its worst. Not quite at its worst. I mean, nobody gets killed. But they use other people. They put them in the tumble dryer of life, give them a couple of spins and drag them out, burnt to a crisp. Anyway, there are three of these con shows on Netflix at the moment. There's a Tinder swindler, Inventing Anna, and then there's The Bad Vegan. Well, we need to look at why you're so engrossed in these particular shows. I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, but maybe others will like the sound of it. I'm sorry, but we're going to do it. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, I do. So take a seat and let's have a look at these shows. And more importantly, let's have a look at you. Maybe a look at imposter syndrome too. I wonder what we'll find. Okay, if we have to. But first, we should talk about inventing Anna. have time for this. What else are you lying about? Who the f*** are you? I do not have time for this. I do not have time for you. Inventing Anna is about a woman called Anna Sorokin. Anna decided it would be a good idea to move to New York to become famous and to make her fortune. So far, so good. Nothing wrong with that. Lots of people do it. But when she arrived in New York... Anna changed her name to Anna Delvey. Then she set about working her way up the social ladder of Manhattan's high society. That must be quite difficult for somebody from a small German town. What do you mean, a small German town? Oh no, Anna was no country bumpkin. Anna was a German heiress, 
with a trust fund that was about to mature. Or so she told everybody. But even if you tell people that, it's not enough, is it? No, but Anna's cleverer than that. She'd been prepping this transformation for a while. She'd worked in Paris as an intern for a fashion magazine. And whereas most interns would keep a low profile and just make sure they did a good job, Anna was in full-on networking mode. Anna was supreme. Yeah, but people are going to know she's not a big cheese. Well, hmm, people can be manipulated. Let me show you how she might have done this. Unfortunately, it's going to include me doing a very, very poor German-American accent because that's how she sounded by this point. So, let's say we're at a party and you're a fashion magazine editor who Anna wants to impress. Takes some imagination, but okay. Hi, I'm Anna Delvey with Purple Magazine. I love your work. You're just so cutting edge. I've complimented you on your work there. That's always a good start. Yeah, I'm definitely... uh feeling the love. So now, I notice there's a top fashion designer in the room. Somebody everybody wants to talk to, including you. He's, he's a hot new thing. If you say so. Let's call the fashion designer Henry Boing. Henry Boing. Yes. Back to my Anna voice. Sorry again. Over there. You'll see Henry Boing? He's such a great guy. I was in Milan last year and it was so good to be working with him. And afterwards, the parties, it's like what they say about the 60s. If you remember them, you weren't there. I'll introduce you to him. Oh, that accent. Yeah, it's uh, slipping. Didn't start in a very good place and now it's, well, somewhere in the world. I just don't know where. So, Anna... I'm guessing you walk over to Henry Boing. I do, that's right. I walk over to him. I walk over to him without the fashion editor because I I want to warm him up before introducing the fashion editor. Hi, Henry. How's it going? I'm Anna. We met in Milan last year. It was so much fun. Naturally, Henry's a little baffled. But he meets so many people these days, he, he doesn't make a thing out of it. My father financed the whole party. Again, Henry doesn't know what she's talking about, but he'll go with it. He doesn't want to cause problems. And Anna has set up the fact now that she's wealthy. I tell my father that if he spends the entirety of my trust fund, I'll have to kill him. <laughs> Again, more enforcement that she's wealthy. Then she beckons over the fashion editor. I forgot to say she's called Tabitha. Tabitha? Yeah, Tabitha, I don't know why. She says, while winking at Henry, Tabitha, meet my old friend Henry Boing. Henry laughs at Anna's wink. But the job's been done. Anna's made two new contacts. One being a famous designer, the other being a fashion editor who is very impressed by this young woman's contacts. And this is what Anna's good at. Well, doesn't seem to be any harm in it so far. It just seems playful. I don't see much wrong with it. I imagine fashion people do this kind of stuff all the time. Yes, but Anna has a problem. 
She needs money and she needs fame. And this might be her biggest problem of all. She aims big. Anna does a whole host of things to get other people to pay her bills. But then she decides she wants to go big. She wants to set up the Anna Delvey Foundation. This is a kind of arts foundation that's situated in a very expensive multi-storey building in, in New York. But to do so, to set this up, she needs $40 million. No chance. You'd think. But by convincing a lot of financiers who should know better, Anna gets closer than she should to this $40 million. It helps that they think she's an heiress who has this massive trust fund as security. And while this is going on, she's also conning her friends out of tens of thousands of dollars. In typical Anna style, she treats her friends to an amazing hotel break in Morocco that she actually has no way of paying for herself. In the end, her best friend is left with tens of thousands of dollars of debt. And on top of that, there are already lots of hotels with unpaid debts from Anna Delvey. I think you admire her on some level. You're getting far too excited not to admire her. Well, yeah, maybe on some level, a very low level, somewhere in the pits of bad behaviour. It's funny because my wife and I have been having competitions to see who can do the best Anna Delvey impersonation. Hello, Flo. Right, this is it. What you wearing? You look poor. No, that's not. This is how you do it. What you wearing? You look poor. <laughs> have another go. What you wearing? You look poor. What are you wearing? You look poor. What are you wearing? You look poor. So who do you think won? Me. Why? I am Anna Delvey. Oh, shit. Thank you. I want to listen to it. I feel bad about enjoying watching Inventing Anna. Why do you feel bad? I don't know. I just do. Did you enjoy the fact that she made her friend's life a misery? No, of course not. I mean, I'm assuming there's some kind of justice in the in the, Anna's outcome. Yes, there is. So you're not celebrating a lawbreaker. You're not going, good for you, girl. No, because I think I'm essentially a moral kind of person. If only because I think the world runs more smoothly if we all follow the rules. Or, you know, those that are good rules. But watching this, there was just something... You just enjoyed the ride. You think? Perhaps. Or maybe. Maybe it's because I have more in common with Anna than I want to admit. Maybe I'm not that moral person with all those righteous values. Maybe the reason why I don't attempt to do what Anna did is solely because I don't have the guts. You're scared of getting caught? Yes. I think a lot of people would feel like that. It did look like such a ride. It made me want to throw off my shackles and live a really wild life. 
I wanted to change my name to Jean-Paul and tell everybody I'm the French heir to a casino empire. Well, considering you're taking an age to learn French, I'm not sure that would be very credible. Languages. Why am I so bad at them? But it's okay to have these urges. I think I'm worried that one day I might act on it, that I'm capable of it. I can be impulsive. What if Anna was just a normal person, but one day she woke up and said to herself, feck this shite, feck this small town, boring shite, 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 shite. Or words to that effect. Oh, you're trying to curse without cursing. Yeah, kind of. We could all do with fecking more shite, so to speak. It's not a bad attitude to have in some respects. Yeah, but... Relax, okay? No need to feel guilty. <sighs> what was that? I don't know. Frustration. We didn't talk about uh, imposter syndrome. We'll come to that later. So, the Tinder swindler. This guy was something else. We're talking evil. I never wanted to be this guy. But the Tinder swindler brings up a whole host of other stuff to think about. That moment when they look at each other and they say, that's the guy. Fuck shit, you know. What kind of name did he use? And then I said, Simon Levive. And they said, well, that's yeah, one of many names that he's been using. Many names? In common with Anna, this guy also has a couple of names. Born Shimon Hyatt, this guy uses the name Simon Leviev on the dating app Tinder. And, it has to be said, he pulls off a trick that even the most cynical, worldly person might fall for. Let me ask you a question. Okay. You're a woman. I'm not, but okay. You find a guy on Tinder. He seems to have this amazing lifestyle, all the trappings of success. He's living life to the full. His family is in the diamonds business. But here's the key thing. Your very first date with him, he invites you on a private jet. Yes, that's impressive. Impressive? That's another world impressive. Let's come back to that, yeah? Because that caused a lot of controversy. So, the feature-length documentary, The Tinder Swindler, follows several women's stories about their encounters with Simon Leviev. Each relationship follows the same path. He impresses them initially, showers them with expensive trips and amazing gifts. But then the mood darkens. He sends them an urgent message. He and his bodyguard, he needs a bodyguard because apparently you make lots of enemies in the diamonds industry. They've been assaulted. The bodyguard has been bloodied and battered. And if it hadn't been for the bodyguard, Simon would have died. That's the message he sends them. He even sends a picture of the bodyguard's injuries to these women to prove it. Then he tells them that he has to go on the run. 
that his credit cards have been frozen as a security precaution so the bad guys can't find him and that he has to keep moving or he's likely to be killed. He begs each woman, pleads with them to open American Express accounts in their own name and let him use their card. Now, you're ahead of me, aren't you? It's not, it's not difficult to work out. Yes, each woman gets into mountains of debts. The whole thing is like a, a Ponzi scheme, you know. He, he, he tricks one woman and the money he makes from her, he spends partially on the next one, but obviously keeps a whole load in profit. You can see how it works. He constantly reassures each woman that this will all be over very soon and that they will live happily ever after. But then, if they don't play along, or they start losing so much money they get really worried, he turns nasty. He coerces them, he bullies them, and threatens them. It never ends. Until one of his victims, Cecily, goes to the press and bravely exposes him. Because she believes that the only way to stop him is to get his name and photo plastered all over the press and internet even if the cost to her is worldwide humiliation and abuse. Because it becomes such an internet sensation, people post their comments all over the internet, and Cecily can't help but look at them. Although a lot of people are supportive, a lot also say that she's a gold digger who got what she deserved. But who doesn't want to believe in a dream? Everybody loves a dream. And we're all brought up on tales of princes and princesses. Are you going to talk about superheroes again? No, that was last week. Don't worry, I'm not going to rattle on about superheroes again. For me, Simon does one thing. One thing that seals the deal. And it worries me that it's so easy for us all to be fooled like this. The private jet. The private jet. When he hires the private jet, the first impression they get of him is one of overwhelming success. Should you say to Cecily that she shouldn't have been impressed? Can any of us say that to her with a straight face? Life is just full of uncertainty. I think the one thing finding a partner with wealth must do is alleviate that uncertainty to some level, to some degree. It might make you feel that life is going to be okay. That this person's wealth will provide a barrier between you and all the bad things that can happen in life. Would you have got on that plane? Takes more than a private plane to impress me. Yeah, right. So what does impress you? Um, empathy? Sincerity? Authenticity? You read that out of a book. I admit, it's complicated. It's difficult to isolate what impresses us and what doesn't. And wealthy people, they often have a naturally confident manner. It's not just the, the dollars or the pounds or the euros. So even if you're not impressed by the glitter, you might be impressed by the way they carry themselves, that inner confidence. Are you worried about the way you carry yourself? I don't know. But I, yeah, I suppose I used to when I was single. If the Tinder swindler had been a woman and you had been single, would you have got on that plane? 
I don't want to answer that question. I think you should. No. What, you wouldn't have got on that plane or you don't want to answer the question? Not going to answer the question. I think you already did. Just hope that we're still okay You always pick me up and let me down We're spinning around, losing our minds Damned if we do, damned if we don't Damned if we give in what we want There's something troubling you. No, nothing. You look like you've had trouble sleeping. Do you think I'm a fake? You think you're like an Anna or a Simon? No, no, of course not, but... We were going to talk about imposter syndrome. Yes, we were. Now, when I first heard about imposter syndrome, I thought it was weird. So somebody who has proven skills and continually thinks they don't have that skill or don't have enough of that skill, so they think they're an imposter... It's odd, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how much evidence you present to that person and show them that they do have that skill. It's sometimes very hard to convince them that they're not an imposter. When I got talking to people about imposter syndrome, I found more people suffered from it than I thought. I mean, it wasn't a scientific study, but, you know, it's just my little study. What about you? I didn't think I did. But I think I might. I mean, I think I know a little bit about content creation. You have a Royal Television Society Award. OK, let me tell you something about awards. This is just my point of view. But when you're working your way up in an industry, you see people with awards and you go, wow, it would be so cool to get an award like that. To get that kind of recognition that you know how to do your job. That's great, isn't it? You know, an award from all your peers. But when you get the award, you look at it and you think, they gave this to me? What were they thinking? That's how it works. The comedian Groucho Marx once said he'd never join any club that would have him as a member. Exactly that. That's it, isn't it? Sounds like it's linked to self-esteem. But it's good in a way. People like Anna Sorokin and Shimon Hayat don't seem to suffer from low self-esteem. Quite the opposite. Yeah, oh, I don't know. You're not Anna Sorokin and you're not Shimon Hayat. And you never will be. For all your faults, and let's make it clear here, there are so many. You're not them, though. You're just not them. Maybe that's why you enjoyed watching those shows. You think I'm just celebrating the fact that I'm not them? What do you think? I don't know. I do know I want to be genuine. But it's sometimes hard to know whether or not you're succeeding. Well, at least you're trying. And sometimes trying has to be enough.
You've been listening to Talking to a Fool by me, Mark Capel. Self-help, philosophy, a journal, whatever this is. My only hope is that you, in some way, get something out of it. And if you want to support it, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And maybe even visit talkingtoafool.com. Music was by Megan Wofford, Sage, Charles Home, Novicious, Dreamcave, and Maybe, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. This is a Sparky the Creative production. Thank you so much for listening.